me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you hoped you'd never hear again. I am Dave! This is an open letter. This is a podcast where we talk about stuff and we have people on and we have a good time and it's a lot of fun. We're all in a really good mood today because it is just gorgeous outside. It is April 16, 2016 is the date of our recording. We are in Zealand, Michigan, and the temper outside is a very nice about, what do you think, Chad, 72, 73? I can find out for you real quick. Please do because we want to be accurate. We need the truth for this podcast. We want to be like 13 and be on target. That's well, at least close. I don't know if we can be as good as them. No, but I have access. Yeah, I know you do. Well, you know what? I have quicker access. Cause you're it's actually 76. 76 degrees. That's incredible. So wow. if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I am Dave. I did not put the intro together, but I like it. I think it's cool. The name of the podcast is, again, an open letter. And to my right is my lovely and talented girlfriend, Carol. Hello. And across from me... That's right. Well-deserved applause for the Carol Meister. Across from me, we have our producer extraordinaire wearing the right color for our football and basketball team, which is the Michigan Wolverines, Chad. Thank you. Oh, stop it. Please. No, no, no. That's all right. It's all right. No, 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 no. It's all about you. I do it all for you. Yeah. All right. Love you all. Mwah. Mwah. Okay, I had my fun. Some people should not be given power, and having access to a soundboard and sound effects for some people might be too much power. But if that's what you need to be okay, Chad, I bequeath that to you. Do you not like it? It's. I. I oh, that's I a puppy. What? <laughs> okay. A puppy who had his feelers hurt. Are you sure that wasn't seagulls? It says puppy whining on the screen, okay? That's seagulls call. <laughs> We're slowly devolving into a bad radio show. <laughs> and <laughs> are you done? Are you feeling yeah, better now? Yeah, I, okay. I got that out of my All system. All right, because we have somebody else to uh, introduce here, and uh, it is our good friend Colin. Colin, can you say hi to everybody listening? Hi, everybody listening. Yeah, so Colin, you're our guest today. Isn't that exciting? It is. Yes, it is. Are you excited to be on the podcast? It is. Yes, it is. Have you ever been on a podcast before? <laughs> no, I have not. Although I think it's funny because when you called your boss because your boss wanted you to come in later this afternoon, you didn't tell him you were on a podcast. You told him you were on a radio show. Yes. That's because you think he wouldn't know what a podcast is. No. I just want to warn you, this is going on the internet and he might have access. So you right. better say some really nice things. He'll have access, but will he actually be listening? Probably not. Colin Probably. deserves a raise. Yeah, so we're going to do subliminal effects to the rest of the show. <laughs> Give Colin more money. <laughs> Donate to an open letter. So I'm sorry, Colin. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so as you know, if you've listened to the show more than once, we do the same thing to start off, to kick off every episode, and that is to play a little game we like to call Off the Cuff. And in the game Off the Cuff... We play some cool background music starting this week. 
I ask a few questions and we all kind of answer and we uh, spend a few minutes doing this just as a get to know you for each other and for you, the listener, as we try to bring you prime, only the best in podcast content. So our first question today is kind of a different question. What is the closest you've ever come to dying? And I'll start with the story. I was swimming in Holland, uh, the Holland State Park out in Lake Michigan. Wavy day. One of my favorite things in the whole world is to body surf. Love it, love it, love it. Big, bigger the waves, the better. But you got to know what you're doing because it can be very dangerous. Well, some people had gotten too close to the pier, and we hear these shouts. So my ex-brother-in-law and I, who is like 6'5", six, 6'4", six, he could touch. I couldn't touch anymore. But we're playing out in the waves, having fun. And we hear the shouting, and there's they're like, someone's drowning. So we start to head over to the pier to help them. And I realize as I'm swimming over there, I'm not going to make it. I can't touch anymore. I feel how tired I am. So I decide I'm going to swim in. And I realize I can't make any headway because it's just there's too much of a riptide. And it crossed my mind. I'd never felt this way before. I thought I might die here. And tragically, I did. No. Um, so I'm swimming back in, and I finally fought and got to the place where I could touch, and then I was fine. But the good news is also, A, I didn't die. And secondly, my my brother-in-law, or who was the guy who was my brother-in-law, actually saved two people's lives. Mm. Wow. Very, very cool. Anyone else got Who's next? Who's got a story? Closest you came to death. Carol. I'm not sure which was the closest, but they were both caused by medical personnel. Um, once was when I was in labor with <laughs> my youngest child, and they gave me a local anesthetic that I did not respond well to, and my blood pressure dropped to 40 over zero. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I was kind of unresponsive for about half an hour. That was a little scary. Then the other time, they were trying to slow my heart down. Um because I had too much thyroid hormone and they used the paddles and I flatlined. They defibbed you? They defibbed me a couple times. I guess it'd be defib. Anyway. Uh, anyway, we're playing like this happy joy game show music <laughs> to death <laughs> stories. Yes, because that's what an open letter is. We are full of contradiction. Uh, Chad or Colin, do you have a story? I do have one. Chad, bring it. Last year in May. On your, May thirteenth, accident. Yes. Yeah. I um, a truck pulled in front of us. Me and my two kids. I had seconds to react. It was impact for sure. Head-on collision. My everything in my trunk burst through the back seat. Ouch. And something hit me in the head when I was coming back. Oh. Off the airbag, and I had a big old mark in the back of my head. I had to have a... Um, what was the item? Do you know? Did you were able to identify it? Just something whacked Just you. something. Huh. Well, I had my tool bag in the back seat oh. from work. I had a socket set in the trunk. Ouch. I had all sorts of things going on back there. Then it hit me in the head. I had to go. I had to have six MRIs. Did um, they find anything when they gave you the MRI? They found a brain. Excellent. With a bruise on it and oh. a contusion. Mm. Not good. So... And then I'm there for one night because they want to keep me there just to make sure everything's okay. And then the next day they're like, well, we noticed that there's, uh, there could be a, um, um, what do they call those things? See, uh, uh, aneurysm. And, oh. They said, we noticed there could be an aneurysm there. And I'm like thinking, <laughs> okay, let's call the pastor. You know, let's get my, get my life straight. Yeah. Okay. Did you have some repenting to do? I had some serious repenting to do. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. 
No, not really. But no. but the idea was that, yeah, I could have died. Hmm. They um, eventually said, no, you don't have an aneurysm. But the doctor was so nonchalant about it. It was I know, funny. right? Carol, you've had that, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, you're like, um, hey, by the way, you know, um, I had salmon for lunch, and um, you could die tomorrow. Have a good day. <laughs> so, Colin, do you have a story? I really don't. I've, I've, there have been times where I've been really scared, or it's been really intense. You can tell one of those stories. But I've <laughs> never come close to, to death. Um, I spent eight years of my life in Brazil, and Brazil is a pretty dangerous, uh, pretty dangerous country can be um one particular time we were at a we were at a beach and we went exploring and it was my family and i and uh we were going across these um it was like this cliff and we were just at the very bottom of the cliff and um this the tide came in and washed over us oh wow um and we were lucky it was super scary and really intense could have been a lot worse if there had been another wave or something or if one of my little sisters had gone you know been swept out but um how old were you i was i was 15 or 16 yeah and i remember i mean i was pretty shaken up the whole rest of the day you know it was pretty pretty intense just thinking what could have happened you know um absolutely yeah but nothing nothing where i've almost come close to death i don't think that's ever I'm a pretty safe person. I've only broken one bone in my body ever. Uh, yeah. I broke my arm when I was a baby. Someone sat on me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> did that experience make you nice to your little sisters for a couple of days? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Wow. Someone sat on you. Well, <laughs> that's not something you hear every day. Um, question number two. Are there any beings that are considered either mythological or kind of conspiracy theory type stuff that you think might actually have existed or might exist today is there anything out there like i met a guy i have a friend of mine um who thinks he who's convinced in his head that he saw bigfoot and you can't convince him otherwise i mean he saw what he saw Hmm. and in his mind he saw bigfoot so he would tell you he believes that bigfoot is like a thing Hmm. carol do you have one i think there may have been dragons the show's credibility has just been shot. No. Why do you think there might have been dragons? Because there's drawings of them from cultures all over the world. Like, really old drawings. I just heard about more yesterday that were found. Like from when I was in fifth grade? No, silly. Cave carvings and stuff. That's what I said, fifth grade. Did you live in a cave in fifth grade? Just for about four months. Hibernation. Oh. Yeah, I was in a cave. I was. I thought I was a bear for about four months, so I was actually hibernating. Common misconception. It happens all the time. All the time. It's actually a known psychological phenomenon. I will tell you mine, although I think it's, again, with Carol, I think it's interesting that there are the commonalities among a lot of different cultures. So this whole idea of dwarves and elves, I think it would have been interesting if there was some type of pre-Adamic race that was non-human. Um, I don't think that really happened. But I think it would be cool if it was, like, true. That would be kind of wild. Um, Chad, Colin, you got anything there? I think that the Hamburglar is real. The Hamburglar? That's, that's mine from McDonald's. The Hamburglar is a real thing. So I'm sorry. What was yours? I, I work with a guy who looks just like the, you know, the guy from Popeye who always says, I'll gladly pay you Thursday for a hamburger today. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A guy that looks Wimpy. just like him. That's Wimpy. Wimpy. I, look, I work with a guy that looks just like him. <laughs> so Wimpy is now a, a, a mythological creature. Okay. No, no. Okay, this isn't my because I I believe dinosaurs existed. When I'm not gonna I'm not gonna well, get I, into all that. I hope you think dinosaurs existed. But there was a guy I seen do a video that he believes that dinosaurs still are alive today. Uh, where are they in the lost city of Atlantis? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. But no, what, what bottom of the ocean? Bottom of the ocean. Well, yeah, haven't, haven't you waters. ever seen yes. the the documentary that came out? Um, it's called Jurassic Park. I think. Yeah, that was a great documentary. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. I seen the new version recently, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. no, seriously, this this guy believes that dinosaurs still live in like um, the rainforests what? in the waters because he says that there was a missionary once who took a book with dinosaurs in it and opened it up and pointed at it, and the people in the village kept pointing to the water. Then it's got to be true. Well, I guess it depends on what you classify as a dinosaur, because if it's just a great big reptile, sure. But here's the deal. Or crocodile. In the book of Job, there's actually a verse where they, somehow they translate it as, I think, a hippopotamus. Leviathan actually is the word they use. Yes, but they said it's got a tail as big as a tree. Tree trunk, yeah. Yeah, that's not a hippopotamus. Not so much. They think, well, there's speculation on what that animal meant, but I don't know. Job actually is the first book that was written in the Bible. Job is the oldest book in the Bible as far as right. when it was written down. They think. Uh, Colin, you got anything for us on this one? Um, or do you know anybody who believes in anything like that, like aliens or stuff? I do. I have I have friends at school who do believe aliens exist and, and stuff, yeah. They, and their logic is... Um, uh, well, there has to be, you know. It, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that logic. Yeah. Well, why do you think that is? Well, our universe is massive. There has to be aliens. There has to be. There aliens. just has to be. We can't yeah. be the only ones. No, it can't be the only ones. There's got to be aliens. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. That's my like my snooty intellectual voice. I hope you liked it. Um, last question. We're gonna go top five movies, Colin. We're gonna come right back to you because I know you can rattle these off right off the top of your pointed little head. Top five movies. All right. Um, American Beauty is number one. Um, I would say Black Swan, um, Nightcrawler, Enemy, and Whiplash, I think. Yeah. All right. Those yeah. are, I've seen, uh, I saw American Beauty, I've seen Whiplash, and I don't think I've seen the other three. Okay. But uh, I may have to based on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. Chad, hit, hit us. Okay. The Godfather, Forrest Gump. Shawshank Redemption, A Few Good Men, and The Godfather Part 2. Can you give us a Marlon Brando as The Godfather impression right here? Okay, so what he did was this. is He actually took cotton balls and he stuffed them in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. So that way he had this this bulge coming out of the bottom of his mouth so he could talk a little like this. Well, that's, not, that's not too terrible. That's not too terrible. Colin, you got a Godfather impression? I don't. I can't. I can't. I'm going to make you an offer <laughs> that you can't refuse. That's as good as I got. It's not great. Carol, do you have one? No, I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> Would you like to give us your top five movies or five of your movies? Because I know you don't do favorites. So five movies that you like. Okay. Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then a few French ones. 
Cyrano de Bergerac and A Very Long Engagement and Les Intouchables, which David saw and really liked too. And then probably V for Vendetta. All right, not bad. I'm going to go with mine. I'm going to cheat a little bit because I got more than five. I'm going to go Field of Dreams. Uh, that movie makes me cry. It's my dad's favorite movie. I tell you, and it's it's just it's. How old's your dad? My dad is fifty two, fifty three. Yeah, he's a little older than I am, but I can tell you that uh, it's kind of we're the same generation, and I, mm. it uh, it hits you. It definitely hits you, and right in the feels. Uh, Back to the Future, the first one, I loved. It was one of those movies when I watched in the theater. Yes, and I am old enough to have seen it in the theater. I was so encapsulated, so enraptured in the story. I totally forgot I was watching a movie. Mm. You know, you ever have that experience? You're like, mm-hmm. you don't forget. You don't, you're not thinking about eating popcorn or drinking or what you're going to do afterwards. You're so into the movie, you thought you're thinking of nothing else but the story. Have you ever had that? Yeah, yeah. That I was, had that with Whiplash actually. Did you really? I was. It's sub, It's just a sublime yeah. experience. I was in awe for about an hour after seeing Whiplash. I was just contemplating the whole thing. And good movies do that to you. They stick with you. So yeah, Back to the Future did that to me. Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, wow, wow. I love those books, and to see them put on film, as in my opinion, as well as they did, incredible. The first Iron Man, I just was so surprised at how good it was because I wasn't expecting much. Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark was amazing. The movie Cinderella Man, uh, that was great. And recently, uh, the movie Trumbo and Spotlight were both phenomenal that came out last year, both nominated for Oscar for Best Picture. Spotlight, of course, winning it. Mm-hmm. So that was good. All right. That's going to wrap up Off the Cuff. So we're going to jump right into the interview here with Mr. Colin Everett. And uh, real briefly, Colin and I met. I was auditioning for a, uh, a play or actually a TV show with a college here called Compass Arts. And I got cast. And Colin was actually the probably the lead of the show. Mm-hmm. And so I had a small two, three-minute scene, and I loved it. It was so much fun filming it. Had a riot. Colin was great to me because I'm this nobody, older guy. Nobody knows who I am. Colin's entrenched in the college. People know who he is. And it was great because he was just real genuine and kind and made me feel very welcome. And he probably lied to me and told me I did it. He told me I did a good job, so I just figured <laughs> he was lying. But it was it was so much fun. So I've, I've bumped into Colin a couple times. Became Facebook friends and thought we, as I got to know more of a story, thought we got to have this guy on the podcast. So, Colin, tell us a little bit about you. I am um, 21 years old. I am the second of uh, five children. I'm originally from Salem, Oregon. I was born and raised in Salem uh, until the age of 11, and then I moved to Brazil uh, for about eight years, now I'm in Michigan studying college. I graduate next May for my bachelor's and then trying to pursue, um, trying to find my entry point in the industry of, you know, this medium that I that I love and is so powerful. Um, you know, film is is extremely powerful on, on our minds. Absolutely, and uh, that's evidenced by even what I would call a bad movie, Batman versus Superman, making a whole bunch of money the opening weekend. People love story, mm-hmm. don't they? Mm-hmm. And uh, so just real briefly, like what was what are some of the things that have attracted you to film uh, that you think, wow, I love this medium. It just really, it really hits me where I live and it captivates you. 
I've I've been writing scripts since I was about eight, and I have a lot of experience in um, video filming and editing, and that came from that came from uh, my love for being transported into new worlds uh, when it comes to film. Um, it was always something that I I would look at that actor and be like, I want to do that so bad. Right. But it was never anything, like film was something I didn't know very much about, actually. And when I went to Compass to tour um, a year before I started at Compass, uh, the director he was saying, if you think you know a lot about film now, wait until you get to Compass, because you're going to be surprised at how much you don't know. Sure. And at first, because you don't know what you don't know, so at that time I was like, what? What are you talking about? Um, and then I came to Compass, and I realized how little I knew about acting, about directing, writing, and editing, that there's so much more to it. Film has definitely become tons more of a passion for me, and I've been able to hone in a lot of skills and talents that I have at Compass with directing and writing and editing and acting. How old were you when you remember first realizing that this medium had such a, it just touched you so deeply? How old were you like when you saw a movie and you're like, this is incredible, I love this? Um, before I went to Brazil, we traveled around the States for about six years. So like raising support, um, and we would drive all the time. We would drive to like Idaho or oh man, lot you know, of car mileage. A lot of car, yeah, exactly. So we would bring DVD players and watch a bunch of DVDs. And I just remember, you know, that's like it's being in like a little time capsule while you you know your parents are driving. You're unaware of life and what's outside right. of the car, so you're just in the car and being transported to this to this world. Even if it's you know, a movie, you have seen over and over and over it's still awesome to watch with your siblings because you share the experience exactly now. yeah yeah i thought it was colin would be an interesting guest to have on the program and there's actually a number of different reasons so we're going to touch on some of these things and, and i think it's real possible we're going to have colin back on the show again sometime because i think it's really important to have uh someone of colin's age and uh especially someone who's artistic and who someone is a believer and I just kind of want to get an idea of who Colin is in the next hour or so as we kind of talk about we're going to we're going to bounce against and kind of touch on a few different topics. I don't think we're going to take a super deep dive into any specific topic today, but there's some that I think would be really interesting. Um, Colin has a blog mm -hmm. and um, Colin has a, a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. ADHD Imaginations, yeah. which I watched a few of those last night. Cool. Um, and I know one thing that I thought was kind of cool was that you had something you put on Facebook and it went viral. Yeah. What what one was the one that went viral? It was um it was a short little dub smash an Instagram video. Okay. Yeah. Um and it was a couple of them actually. And it was this one it was this one page that you can like on Facebook. Um I don't remember what it was like funniest in a long title. It was like funniest bloopers, videos, vines, Instagram videos, something like that. And they shared one of my videos, and I didn't even know about it for a while until <laughs> one of my friends found it and I think tagged my name in it. Okay. And so then I looked, and it, it already had over nine ninety thousand views. And I was like, whoa, yeah. whoa this, is, this is my video. This is crazy. And then it just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. 
And then from that, I started getting a ton of Instagram followers. Um, and now I have about like 6,000. Wow. Six, and I've had 6,500. Um, but it's been dwindling as I have, um, have life has been busy. So I haven't yeah. really made dub smash videos in a while. But Like you're doing the dub. Well, you do a lot of lip syncing. I do a lot of lip syncing. So whatever audio that's going to be coming will, is from a different video and so I do the lip syncing, and it's it's all visual. You know, it's all visual yeah. what I'm doing. Colin. Yeah. So I'm a guy. In fact, this whole podcast started because Chad saw me posting crap on Facebook, and he came to me and said, hey, I think you should have a radio show, which then evolved into this podcast and may turn into a radio show. But... So then I wasn't lying to my boss. <laughs> you weren't. So, uh, you just tell yourself what you need to believe, buddy. Um, no, but it. I use Facebook a lot, and I use it as a platform. I've got about 1,100 friends, and I use it to promote the radio show and different thoughts, and I want people to think about stuff. And I would be thrilled to have, like, I mean, if I had, like, four shares on one thing I wrote, because I'm a bit of a writer, too, I would be, like, thrilled. So. All of a sudden, you see you have 90,000 views on something you did just having fun. Well, what did that feel like? It was pretty exciting. It was really exciting, especially when I started. Because I remember, I still remember it was a Saturday night. My phone was on top of my dresser, and it just started lighting up. And it was something on Instagram. And I was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. And it just, it didn't stop for like a week. I just was getting followers, and I, I didn't know why. I didn't know anybody had shared anything of mine yet. This is just happening, and you don't even yeah. know. You have no idea what's going on. So I capitalized on that and start making dub smashes and start pumping them out, and they start sharing it, sharing it, and commenting, tagging other people. And, yeah. And then I started getting a bunch of more followers, and I was like, this is very cool. Well, it's interesting. Cause... Go ahead. No. You go no, ahead. you go ahead. <laughs> no. The thing that's interesting is you and I have talked a little bit is that you heard some of our first podcasts when Carol, I was talking to Carol and asking her questions about her depression. Yeah. And then you, you're talking to me and you've talked that you also have, that's something that you've struggled with. Yeah, for sure. So is your, how does that make you feel? And you feel like, wow, I have this following. I have something that people like because it's hard to get hundreds of viewers or listeners. Mm. And now you've got thousands. Mm -hmm. How did that play into with your struggle with depression? How did it impact that? Um, or did it? You know, a lot of people um, like to comment derogatory stuff on your on your on your dub smashes or your posts or whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The comment section. Yeah, it's a horrible it, place. It's, it's pretty. It, yeah, exactly. Um, people would comment, "Hey, you're fat." Like, that's all they would say. Hey, <laughs> you're fat. <laughs> that's helpful. Thank so you. I just delete it instantly. I'm like, that's so stupid. Why well, I don't need that. Um, <laughs> it's enlightening. I needed to know that. Yeah. Like, why would you even put that on there? Yeah. Hey, you're white. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I know. Very helpful. <laughs> so that's interesting that you say that. And then, did you have a tendency to focus more on the negative comments or the positive comments? Which one stuck with you more? Oh, definitely the negative. For sure the negative. Even though I would delete it and try to forget about it, 
there were a couple times where I was really tempted. I'm, I might have even done it where I, I messaged that person. Wow. Yeah. Was it was it nice? No. Was it hell? <laughs> no. Was it loving? <laughs> Did you feel better? Uh, no. Oh, really? <laughs> well, no. well, we're going to talk about this in a little bit too. Just the about social media, oh, and you yeah. have a blog on your one of your posts is about social media, which I thought was really good. Uh, Carol was like, "Wow, that's one sentence especially hit you." Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but talk a little bit about how you realized because I think your journey into depression and, and struggling with it was a lot different than Carol's. So mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about that and kind of how you realized, "Hey, I have I struggle with depression." Well, I think what happened is I lived in Brazil for four years before moving back to the states for furlough, and then after that furlough for about a year. We go back to Brazil. Right. So during that year that I was in the States, after the four years in Brazil, we were on furlough. um, And my parents told me, like, even on furlough, my parents would still travel around the States just like they used to to keep up support or raise more support. And they told me since I was about 16, 17 at that age, I didn't need to go with them. So I was having the time of my life in Salem for about a whole year. Yeah. And I'm a very social guy. I love meeting people, um, and I got to do a play. It was called Oklahoma, and I got to have a main part. Can we sing that? Can we sing that part together for just a minute? Ready? Oklahoma, <laughs> where the I was in Oklahoma too. Were you really? I really was. What uh, what part did you? Play? I was windy. I was the guy who kind of sat back and kind of observed everything and had my pipe, and I was kind of like the sage mm. older guy. You mm-hmm. just you don't even know. I had like eight lines. Okay. Anyway, okay. Your part was much better. My part was I was um, Ali Hackam, the guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was like selling crap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played that character, and I got to I knew my lines so well, and everybody else's lines that I would improvise. I would improvise on stage, and I would make the cast laugh. And the director actually had to come up to me and say, "Okay, you've reached your quota for improvising." stick to the script now yeah because i was in such heaven for those like three months of that production because i i mean my attention my need for attention was constantly being fed 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 and i couldn't get enough and then when that was over that was over in march in june i was uh, my mom took me because she wanted to diagnose me for um asperger's and adhd so I went and did all these tests, and it was about six hours, um, two days of testing. And um, we came to the conclusion he diagnosed me with um, traces of Asperger's. I have a cousin who uh, who uh, has passed away, but he, he had Asperger's mm. um, and ADHD. And he said a lot of the time, uh, he actually said my when I pay attention, my paying attention when people are talking to me is in the fifth percentile. So he said, like, 95% of the time you're somewhere else. <laughs> um, you can stay here for this podcast, though, right? Yeah, you're gonna be, yeah. You're going to be with us? I've uh, honed it in quite I a bit. I appreciate that, yeah. Uh, and one other thing, because he had my parents fill out this long, it was like three or four pages, um, this form, and then he had me do the same thing. It was a bunch of questions, like an assessment. And he came to the conclusion, he said, I think you're really depressed. Wow. And I think it was because June was right after March, which had, I was, you know, I did, my attention, my need for attention had stopped being filled yeah. because March was over. Sure. My friends go back to their normal lives instead of, you know, 
where where's my attention that I was getting. Um, and then it was close to, I think, September where we were going back to Brazil. So he said, I think you're really depressed. And that had never even occurred to me. How did you respond to all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I'm this normal kid. I mean, I know that you probably knew that your attention bounced around a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden you hear you're depressed. So Colin, you feel like you're a fairly normal kid. Mm-hmm. And you're you're in the play and everything's going all right, and you you know you probably have attention issues, but now all of a sudden someone says you're depressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? How do you respond to that? What did you? What happened in that moment? What were you feeling? I I felt like no, they can't be me, because I always had this image of what depression was. What was your image of depression? Someone who was sad all the time. And because and the word depression, you. no, I, I wasn't sad all the time, but I was extremely irritable. Uh-huh. I was with my siblings, especially. Mm-hmm. There were some times where, and I even told my, my mom this, and we had a long discussion. There were some times where I couldn't even stand the sight of them because mm-hmm. I was so, it was just something about the environment I was in or something, I don't know, that really was just bringing me down. And I'm not. I'm very blind to when I'm stressed. I'm very blind to when I'm depressed. Okay. Um, so when he told me this, I was extremely shocked. I might have had a, had a conversation about it with my parents afterwards, but not really. You know. Did you I just believe glo- it? I mean, did you? I mean, did you even really? When did you start to believe? He's right. This is it is depression, and I have to refocus or reframe what that word even means in my head. Or have you yet? Not really. So you've been told this, but mm-hmm. how much do you believe it? I mean, I definitely, I definitely believe it. Okay. Um, when did you get to the point where you said, "Yeah, I believe he's right. I this is something that it is depression, and this is something that's I, I have." Well, I kind of feel like it was right away. Like when you said, "I think you're depressed," it kind of like dawned on me of like, "Oh, this could be." depression instead of the image that i've always had so you were able to reshape that definition pretty quickly then yeah but i had to learn a lot more about it it it's only kind of recently maybe within the last couple years since i've been out of the house that i've really come to understand more about what depression and anxiety is um so what was it about you told me that when you listened and that you really enjoyed the podcast with Carol talking about depression. What was it about that podcast, or what? Do you remember anything that you're like, "Wow, this really resonates. This is this is touching me." I think it was the fact of hearing somebody else's story in the open, maybe okay. you know. And I mentioned to you last night when we met that we, um, I listened to a lot of TED talks, and I listened to a lot of TED talks about mental health and about. Um, creativity and stuff because I'm a very creative person. Right. I'm very right-brained. I'm led by emotion, and I'm I'm. Uh, there's no you know there's no left brain. There's no logic in my in my head. Um, and so being a creative person, I think that I'm more prone to depression. Right. Um, because something small can happen that can throw my whole day off, and my whole my mood can swing you know very especially when i'm at school i notice that even with 
friends at school sometimes they'll come up and make a joke and i'm i'm in my head like go away or i'm gonna i'm gonna smack you yeah you, you, know, you told I'm, me something interesting about what happens when you're talking with someone and someone a third party comes up and mm-hmm. starts to interrupt what you're the conversation you're having or something you're trying to tell what yeah. do you do so i get sometimes. infuriated and what do you say to the other person stop talking <laughs> stop just stop whatever you're doing all this presence right here stop and i'm gonna go back to talking with this other person because that's so rude for her demand that to oh, yeah. demand that attention but it's interesting it feeds back into that need for attention and when that attention is mm-hmm. which you don't you're not always able to get it like you do when you're on stage, which I understand a bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to mention our producer, Chad, wants us to make sure that we mention what TED Talks are. Carol, could you tell us a little bit about what TED Talks are, just if people aren't familiar with them? I can't quite remember what the acronym TED stands for. That's okay. I forgive you. But <laughs> they're 15 to 30-minute, approximately, little talks by people. Experts. <laughs> it's educational. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're experts in their field, and you can search by theme. There's hundreds of there, them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I would I would love to Thousands. do a TED Talks. There are some by scientists. There are some by educators, some artists, pickpockets, kids, inventors. Right. It's just amazing. They're they're really great. Um, one question for you, and then I got another question for you, and then I want you and Carol to talk a little bit about, I want you to dialogue just for a couple minutes about two people who have had this depression. Now, I want you to kind of dialogue a little bit about that, but when you're on stage and you're able to ad lib and improvise, you said, this is like heaven. You've already, you've already got the attention in in a sense. So why, that's a strong word. Heaven's a strong word. Why is that like heaven for you to do that because it's i'm in a place i'm in a state of mind where i'm completely self-conscious free i'm completely in front limit, of lots of people limit free <laughs> in front of lots of people which is strange i don't understand it but like i could perform stand-up or improv comedy or a play in front of ten thousand people easier than i could in front of 12 any day because I, I don't even know that I can explain that to you, yeah. why that is, but I know that it's true for me. Because if somebody were to say, call and go on that stage and make them laugh, I would say no. Right. Because, and I think I put this in my blog, because I have to take the spotlight for myself. You have to be choosing to go in the spotlight, yeah. not like someone... If somebody puts the spotlight on me, then it's like super intimidating. It's Colin, like, perform. Colin, be funny now. And it's yeah. like, no, because you have an expectation of something that I'm going to do. And if I don't live up to that expectation, it's horrible on me. What happens to you when that happens? I'm what? very hard on myself. Like, what do you say to yourself? What's your internal self-talk? It's not really talking. It's just a feeling. It's just a horrible feeling. You know, a complete embarrassment and okay. and rejection. Is it you know, self-rejection or is it you th- you're feeling it, like rejected from other people? And it's also being ticked off at that other person for, you know, having having done that or calling, do a face for this person or something. And, and sometimes it has gone well, which is awesome, but I still don't like it. You know, I still right. can't stand it. Right. I know a little of what you speak because in my experience, I've, I like to make people laugh. I always have. And yeah. I keep threatening that someday I am going to go do five, ten minutes at an amateur night uh, in a comedy club. Mm-hmm. I still and think you should. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Should. 
I appreciate that. So when you're in a party and you're talking with people and you're with students or your friends and you're just naturally funny, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself and I know how I listen to comedians talk a lot and how hard it is to for their craft. They really say you need about 10 years to be any good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm horrified to go, you know, because it's easy for it to be spontaneous and natural and you could be witty and throw kind of spin little phrases out there. But to plan it and go out there in front of people and be like, okay, now be funny, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother level. <laughs> and I've tried improv. I'm bad. I'm not funny with improv. <laughs> I'm a I'm an okay actor. I can't improv. I can think of stuff to say. It's just not always that funny. But I want Carol and Colin, I want you, as you are hearing Colin's story, uh, and obviously we're a few years beyond Colin, uh, so what, just a few. Would, what would you say to Colin <laughs> as he's kind of like, wow, I have depression. I didn't, I thought that was like people who are sad and crying all the time and it, that can be part of it. What would yeah. you say to people like Colin or his age that have realized, well, maybe I am depressed or they just found out they are. What, what are some of the things I just want you to talk a little bit. What words of encouragement can you give to Colin as he's feeling some of these things? And you've had a rough week yourself. Yeah. Do you have anything that you could say to someone who's younger and you could be like, hey, wow, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I realize I've been diagnosed as the doctor says I have depression. Being a university professor, I see a lot of students that struggle with depression Mm. that go through my classes. And it's interesting because I've gotten to the point after dealing with it myself and then seeing a couple of my kids go through it and, um, one in particular dropped out of a semester of college because of it and ended up in uh, Pine Rest for a week. And those of you who don't know, what is Pine Rest? Oh, sorry. It's a psychiatric hospital. Um, mm-hmm. I have a few friends who have gone there too. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you. it was a really difficult situation because he came to me saying, I need help or I'm going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. But when we got there, they wouldn't, they didn't want to admit him because he hadn't hurt himself yet. Mm. And that that really upset me. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of going off on a tangent. But because of that whole experience, um, my first day of class every semester, I put up on the screen the counseling center on campus, and I let students know, look, this might be your first year away from home. Um, you're on your own for the first time in your life. It's hard. And if you're struggling with depression or anxiety or you feel like, um, you're alone, you lose your appetite. And I, you know, I run through a few of the common symptoms and I tell them, please go and get help. Your first six sessions are free. Um, they're happy to talk to you. Let me know what's going on so that I know if you're missing classes, why you're missing classes. Just don't be afraid to reach out to get help. And I can't tell you how many students have thanked me for that just because it let them know that they weren't on their own. They'll come to my office and to talk about what's going on and why they've missed class and how hard it is to leave their room. And it gives me a sense of understanding as a professor about their performance, but it also helps them to know they're not on their own. And that's, I think that's the big thing. It's really a shame that it's still such a stigmatized thing in our society when it's so common. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's really misunderstood. So Colin, like talk a little bit about, again, how you think that word is misunderstood well i'm gonna say something here that i'm gonna say something that is kind of 
I've never really said before, I guess, but in the in the Christian community, saying the word or saying the phrase "I'm depressed" is really hard. Yes, because it's not taken seriously, and they don't know that they're not taking it seriously, but it's misunderstood. The word depression, I think, is very misunderstood, not only with the Christian community, but I'm talking about there are certain people that I would never say I'm depressed around because they're not going to get it or they could judge or I don't know. I think it's very misunderstood. It's people think, oh, it's you're sad all the time or uh, you are constantly, I don't know, constantly sad or something, but it's it's not. It's no. It, it is losing your appetite. It's an actual thing in your body. Yeah. It's a medical condition. Yeah. And the funniest thing is that, well, it's not funny, but it's often the students that are smiley, that res- are responsive, that really engage in the lecture. Like Cullen. In class. They're the ones that are struggling the most. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, an interesting thing is that my mom, right after she had me, immediately, two weeks after I was born, she struggled with postpartum depression. Mm, mm-hmm. And she literally could not stop crying mm-hmm. for two weeks. Yeah. But the only thing that would make her stop crying was holding me in her mm-hmm. arms. Which is really cool because if you think about that, I was something that was able to help her stop crying. Yeah. And I have been able to carry that persona or that um thing around me an identity as a source of comfort an identity that whether in brazil or oregon or michigan i've always seen the same thing where people come up to me and they say something you did today made my day better and i'm not aware of that but it's so cool that that happens something about me makes people feel comfortable around me and i absolutely love that i don't even know what it is about me but i love that I think that that's one of the few advantages of struggling with depression. It gives you a real awareness mm-hmm. of other people's feelings yeah. and, a, and a genuine ability to be comforting to yeah. other people. My mom has always told me that I've been a huge, I have a huge heart for the underdog. That's awesome. And I definitely do. I find the people who, f- who think of themselves as invisible, I, I find them, you know, because they're not invisible to me. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who stand out. They're the ones who are the most interesting, the most fascinating in my mind. And again, I knew that there'd be good good talking between the two of you because you've had some similar experiences, both people of faith, um, both in college and just in different capacities. But, you know, it's really interesting to hear you guys talk and just kind of compare notes. You both struggle with depression, but it manifests itself very differently mm-hmm. in each one of your lives. In the root of it all, it, there's some similarities there. Some of that can be a male-female difference. I know my boys that struggle with depression tend more towards irritability and anger, whereas I tend to get sad and cry. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting that since we've started this podcast, and you know we're, we're new, we're a baby podcast, and we're trying to get listeners, and, yeah. and we very much appreciate everyone who's listening now, but the first episode where Carol talked about depression we have about 10 times as many listens as almost any other podcast, any other episode. Wow. I have a question for Colin. Yeah. I know you wrote in your blog about social media, and um, because of my sensitivity to students with depression and in classes, I often read articles about that and 
what seems to be contributing to this amazing increase in depression in students because like the counseling center has seen a, a dramatic increase in number of students coming in for help. Some of the studies have shown that social media is really contributing to depression because people are putting their best face out there. Each person is seeing everyone else's best and comparing themselves to that and falling short. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's part of the problem with social media? Do you feel like that contributed to your depression at all? And you actually blog a little bit about this in one of your, in one of the blogs that you've written. So yeah, talk, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, social media is a, you know, you know, like your Facebook page, that's a complete Mm -hmm. performance of yourself. Yeah. That is a performance because you're not going to tell your friends all the nitty gritty stuff from your life. Facebook has become such a thing now. And we have to remember that it is just Facebook. Unfriending somebody on Facebook People have been killed over that before. Right. Oh my. You know? It's just, David, you better stop crazy. doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll do my best. Yeah. I have a problem. <laughs> An interesting thing is when Carol, when you started teaching, which was uh, how many years ago? 11. So when you came in 11 years ago into a classroom, what did you mm-hmm. normally have to do? I usually had to raise my voice to get everyone to be quiet, to pay mm-hmm. attention to me. And what happens when you walk into a classroom now? Nothing. Everyone's sitting there on their little phones, ignoring each other. Mm-hmm. So I have to make them put their phones away to talk to each other. Yep. Talk a little bit about, like you did in your blog, about what your perception about social media and your cell phones and having all. And the interesting thing about this as well is this is all very recent. I mean, the whole cell yeah. phone, smartphone, yeah. uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's always new stuff coming out. Just discuss a little bit about, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's incredibly recent. And uh, my parents' generation, they have no clue what it's like to grow up in this generation. Yeah, I know what it's like to grow up knowing, you know, this as as a way of life, kind of. I mean, I was before smartphones. Yeah. Smartphones came out when I was maybe 12, 13, maybe a little bit older, actually. As far as social media, like, I've even, you know, I've become a slave to Facebook. I got a Facebook when I was... 14 it was like 2008 that i got one i've become a slave to it and it facebook has you know i've done a lot of things that i'm not very proud of on facebook talking to people or it's gotten me in trouble for sure me too and my depression not only on social media but on the internet has caused me to take certain addictions off the computer and try to make them real life or they've or they've caused me to uh stumble for sure it's unfortunate that it's such a big thing because it's such a convenience for people if you notice one thing i said in my blog was try going without your phone now yeah with um for one day and how scary a thought that is um i was actually having some phone problems before i came here Uh, my phone wasn't working i almost had to go back home and and say that I wasn't going to be able to come because my phone wasn't working and stuff. I rely so much on my phone right. for everything. Um, and especially when I don't have my phone on me, I reach into my pocket every every 10 seconds looking for my phone. And that's so, it, I mean, it's a routine now. It's in my brain has trained my arm to do that now. And if you watch people when you go sit at a restaurant, as they're sitting down, it's phone out on the table I can't I can't stand um, cell phones and how we just rely on them 
And it's just right in front of your face, even when a person's sitting next to you. And I read a really interesting study about the influence that the presence of a smartphone face-up has on conversation mm-hmm. when people are at the same table or in the same room. Because what does it imply? I, you don't have my full attention. Yeah, no, there exactly. could be something more important. It affects the subject matter yeah. of the conversation. It will never go beyond a certain point. It will never get reach a certain depth. If yep. there's a smartphone there, yep. if the smartphone goes away, the conversations get more intimate. Yep. What does that tell you if you're to have if we're having a conversation and all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, I gotta check this. Now all mm-hmm. of a sudden, whoever contacted me now, obviously what they have to say is more important than the conversation mm-hmm. we're having. Yeah. So, couple last things we gotta wrap pretty quickly here. So, I did want to ask you two two last questions here. Number one is. How could we use Facebook and social media in a healthier way, do you think? Especially, like, how could you use it in a healthier way to actually that might help with your depression? So well, it's not going to go away, and you're probably not going to stop using it. Right. How would you encourage yourself to use it differently, and how would you encourage people listening to use it differently? I've already made the choice to, and I've almost wanted to put this in a Facebook status and post it, but I might just put it in a blog or something. I have decided for myself that I'm only going to use Facebook social media for to promote the art that i make you know with film that's cool or promote something like on my instagram i'll post videos that aren't dub smashes and i'll say you know for like 15 seconds i'll say if you are struggling with depression or blah 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 you are loved you are more important than you know and i've done that and people have messaged me saying you completely made my day with that post and stuff that's what i want to do I can't stand the people who post political stuff, you know, <laughs> Donald Trump memes or whatever. I'm sure. so out of that <laughs> loop, and I'm. It's the last thing on. It's the last thing on my mind. I'm with you on that, though. I I don't like the Bernie Sanders, the Hillary Clinton, the Trump. I don't care who you're for. I don't want to see the memes on Facebook. I don't want to see you making fun of any of them. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. I stay away from any conversation that has to do with politics. Because it's not going to change. My opinion's not going to change yours, and uh, and I'm only going to get mad. You and are. I don't want. And I don't want to get mad at a friend. You no, know? it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I was just going to say something that I use Facebook for that's helpful to me. And that is her break dancing. Um, just not kidding. not usually. I subscribe to a few different blogs that I find to be very encouraging. Certain Facebook pages that are uplifting that have just quotes or words of encouragement that they post every day. And I find that that helps me. If I'm struggling, I'll go and look for those. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that Facebook could be used positively. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then the last question really, and you've kind of answered a little bit, but how has social media contributed to your struggle with depression? I'll throw that both to Carol and to Colin. Um, it rips out your ability to connect with others it it really does uh i mean and it and it has done mine because i have never told a girl that i you know i like you i've never told a crush that in in person because i've done it over social media because it's an easy thing to hide behind yeah it is so easy you don't have to see their face when you're being rejected or whatever especially uh before moving out of the house um, I would sit around on my computer a lot. I was I was a, obsessed with just Facebook. It was always a tab that was open on my computer. And I started just, I felt myself just being 
pulled away or disconnected from family and friends a lot more because it was just my phone. You know, my phone would be pulled out, and that is just a horrible place to be, I think. As you talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you have this incredible craving for attention, mm-hmm. right? It's this incredible desire, and you kind of get this really cheap version of the attention through social media, like, oh my gosh, I got 140,000 views, mm-hmm. and that's cool, but at the end of the day, you've connected with none of those people mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, Colin, I thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to have you back. Hopefully, we can do a part two here very soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, could you just kind of plug your own uh, YouTube channel and uh, your blog? I think I remember the names of them, but just give yeah, the audience. Um, let them know where to find your stuff. ADHD Imaginations is my YouTube channel. ADHD Imaginations CT is Instagram. And then um, on WordPress, I have uh, Things I Can't Say to Your Face, which is my blog. And I've read the blog. Uh, you're, you're a gifted writer. I, I enjoyed you. what I read. And I really enjoyed having you here today. I guess as I'm wrapping the show, I just, you know, we're in a social media age. It's not going to change. Facebook's not going to go anywhere and they're never going to charge. So stop posting that they're going to charge. That's really annoying. (laughs) That's my own little side. (laughs) But we're in Instagram's not going anywhere. Tumblr's not going anywhere. Twitter's not going anywhere. We live in this age, and it's only going to continue to increase because people long and need this type of connection. But you can't, guys, if girls, if you're listening out there, you can't really connect with people on Facebook. So, A, a rule, I hope you, I, I've tried to put this on myself, never argue with idiots on Facebook. And an idiot generally is someone who doesn't agree with your opinion. So just <laughs> stop arguing on social media. It's not helpful. Yeah. And Colin, I, I and I, I have to take this to heart. As Carol will give hearty amen, I need to stop bringing my cell phone out when I'm having dinner with somebody. <laughs> and it's so easy to abuse that with the people you love and know the most because I'm always with them. So, you know, one of my kids might text me. Oh, no. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah. My challenge to us and to the listeners is this. Use social media in a positive way. Use it to promote mm-hmm. art. Use it to start discussions, mm-hmm. things like that. Let's try to stop arguing on Facebook and all these different types of social media. And if you are depressed out there, I'm hoping we can help take the shame out of that for you. I want you to know you're not alone. We've had two people on here that have been very transparent about their struggles. You are not the only one that feels how you feel. There's a lot of help out there for people like you. And I know it's embarrassing to admit that you have it. But if you have it, you just have it. you got to go ahead and talk to someone so you can get better because there's people who love you and care about you. Any final words from you, Colin? I would just say, you know, if, if you're struggling with depression, you know, like you said, you, you're, you're definitely not alone. And it's a, it's a very common thing that people struggle with, especially, you know, going to a school with people who are creative minds, and creative minds yeah. are more prone to depression and I'm, I'm surrounded by depression, but I have to be, you know, I have to put my own aside in a sense, you know, and be that light to, to the darkness that I'm surrounded in. Which is part of the call of our faith. Absolutely. Again, this is an open letter. appreciate you listening. If you want to be in contact with us, please visit our Facebook page. We need to know what you think about the show. So please let us know on Facebook or you can email us at an open letter to you. The number two is the letter U, an open letter to you at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and we're going to have Colin again probably real soon. Have a great day. <laughs>